0: Hi everyone. My name is Katie Perry. Welcome to Millennium Live. Today I'm joined with Jonathan Yaffe, who is the co-founder and CEO at AnyRoad. Thank you so much for being here today, Jonathan.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Katie. It's so great to to be here. I was really looking forward to this.
0: We are too. And you know, before we jump in and really start talking about, you know, the content of what's going on in the marketing world today, can you just give us a background on yourself and AnyRoad?
1: Sure. Uh, My background actually started uh, in in this world at Red Bull. I was one of the first marketing hires when Red Bull first came to the United States, uh, and we were spending billions of dollars a year on experiences. And this totally blew my mind um, because, you know, back then, digital marketing was was really the, the, the brand new thing that was very exciting. And we instead were spending all of this money on crazy experiences. Uh, where with people jumping out of airplanes, going down mountains on tricycles, DJs are playing, people are dancing, everyone's having an amazing time. And we knew intuitively that people who were participating in these experiences loved Red Bull more and drank more Red Bull and felt closer to the brand. Uh, And clearly it worked, right? Red Bull has by far number one market share, but what drove me absolutely crazy is that we had no data. We had no real understanding of the connection between the consumer, the experience, and the behavioral change. And so that's why, that's why I started AnyRoad. Uh, and at AnyRoad, we're, we're building what we call experience relationship management, which is really a platform to power experiential programs globally, both in-store, field marketing, any, any, any kind of actual experience that's meant to change behavior and bring a level of data intelligence to it.
0: That's great. So I know in previous talks, you've really talked how the world is changing from a things economy to one more based on experiences like you've just mentioned. So I'm curious, can you just describe why this is happening and what impact is it really having on the markets?
1: Yeah, great question. So the world is changing. I'm just going to repeat you here. The world is changing from a things economy to an experience economy. We see this in terms of millennials who are spending way more money on experience than things. of Millennials prefer experiences to things in general. Uh, We see this in terms of retail brands that are literally shutting down every single week. Uh, We see this in terms of the cultural zeitgeist, Uh, people like Marie Kondo, uh, who tell us to like go into our uh, closets and pick an object and say, does this bring me joy? And if not, we throw it away, right? This would have never happened 30 years ago, building a global brand telling us to throw away our hard-earned objects. But I believe we're in this place where things have become commoditized. I can order anything I want from Amazon, probably the same day delivery. Why would I ever go walk into a store again? Why would I ever care what brand I'm using when I just have all the things that I ever would need? So as the world becomes experiential, what we're seeing is that the brands that are thriving are the ones that are actually transforming themselves into experiential brands. Uh, and so I, I do believe it. This is a this is a massive, once in a generation shift of what really not only fuels the economy, but what really fuels fuels culture.
0: Right, and it's very interesting. So, how are you finding that brands are leveraging these experiences to drive loyalty and lifetime value?
1: Great question. Again, it's, it's these these really innovative brands that are. Literally, you know, REI believes that most of their revenue is going to be coming from experiences rather than things in the future. Uh, the CEO of Lululemon came out and said, we're no longer an apparel company. We are now an experience company. Lululemon spends about $300 million per year on free yoga classes. You can take their yoga classes in any store, uh, in one of their experiential centers or on Instagram Live, right? Because that's an experience too. Uh, And they believe that people who come to these classes actually love Lululemon more, have a greater lifetime value, have more brand love, but they have no idea if this is true. Uh, Michael's Art Stores does over a million art classes per year. Uh, Budweiser does 1.6 million brewery experiences per year. BMW spends over one billion dollars a year on driving experiences, car test drives. They even built their own theme park in Munich called BMW World, like the the push toward experiential goes far beyond just kind of like a nice little nice nice to have and for a lot of these brands it really becomes the core of 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 their their industry
0: right so how do you think that brands should be thinking about the relationship between experiences and purchase behavior after those experiences maybe using a big box retailer as an example here
1: That's a great question. Let's take Home Depot as an example. Home Depot spends hundreds of millions of dollars a year on in-store classes, in-store appointments, blind fittings, uh, workshops, all kinds of uh, activities. And actually, these are experiences in stores to not only bring people in, but actually make people more loyal, right? So the question here is, uh, Katie loves Home Depot, goes to Home Depot, you know, once a week to, uh, you know, Take care of her house uh, and, and build things, um, but and, and because of that, Home Depot can assign you some sort of loyal customer, you know, in their own CRM system, and say, "Look, Katie spends on average a hundred dollars a week at Home Depot." But the question now is, if we can get Katie to learn, you know, stucco classes or woodworking classes. Or, uh, or or paint or learn, learn more about different kinds of paints and then really dive deep into there. Not only can we make her not walk across the street to Lowe's to buy her paint, but can we actually get her to be a more loyal customer, improve that lifetime value to $120 per quarter, right? Or per month, I'm sorry. And so suddenly we increase her LTV by 20%. And that's really significant when you look at that across the entire base of consumers.
0: Absolutely. So experiential marketing has shifted over the last year and a half. Obviously, of course, everything has shifted over the past year and a half, but there's really been a trend toward virtual webinars and conferences. I mean, right now we're doing a virtual meeting on interview podcast. but yeah. you know, it seems to be sticking around for at least a little while. So what are you seeing from your customer base as the right balance between virtual and in-person experiences?
1: When the pandemic hit, a lot of people thought the experience economy was just gone. Uh, and in, in fact, in real life experiences just dropped immediately uh, to very close to zero. But these fears ended up being unfounded, because what happened is that the experience economy just shifted online. And you had the rise of uh, a lot of digital platforms, including our own, that basically took on the brunt of all of these digital experiences. And suddenly people were doing at-home yoga classes in their living room. People were doing at-home wine tastings with their favorite wineries and at-home beer experiences. People were doing um, at-home games, at-home raves even, uh, at-home Burning Man. Like suddenly it just became this this culturally... uh, acceptable to sit at home and watch Zoom theater or uh, a Zoom concert. And it was no longer just, you know, kind of a nerdy recluse type of thing. Um, And so what we're seeing is twofold. Number one, now that the pandemic's over, depending on who you ask, uh, in real life experiences have skyrocketed uh, and are significantly stronger and higher than pre-experience levels. Uh, This is insane. I mean, this is absolutely insane that the fact that Planes are are more full now than they were pre-pandemic. Disneyland sold out instantly when it opened. Uh, A lot of music festivals uh, are selling out without even announcing a lineup in a matter of hours because people don't really care. People are like, of course I'm gonna go to a music festival. I've been stuck in my living room for a year and a half. Um, So in real life experiences are just booming, but at the same time, digital experiences continue to climb also. And this is uh, just just on the AnyRoad platform where, from a volume perspective, we're about 4.5x larger than we were pre-pandemic. Um, and again, in real life experiences, really the growth, of the, the the big driver of that growth. But we thought that that would kind of take away, you know, Zoom fatigue would creep in, creep in, and there is a lot of Zoom fatigue that we're seeing. But digital experiences are still very popular, um, and so. We've done a ton of research on this. And what we've seen is that real life experiences are actually a lot stronger uh, that when it comes to ROI, when it comes to actually behavioral change than digital experiences, but digital experiences have the ability to take the geographic constraint away from it. So if I'm sitting in Brazil right now, I can participate in experience with people in Indianapolis and and suddenly like brands have a, a lot more reach uh so what we're seeing is that the 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 brands that really have experiential maturity are really doubling down on both right
0: so you know in addition to not only the experiential part of it changing as far as in-person and virtual but one thing that's also shifting is how consumers are shopping so how have big box retailers shifted their experiences to really address this part of it as well
1: yeah um Shopping's moving online, if, if, if anyone didn't, didn't realize that. <laughs> I'm sure that's what you were alluding to. I, I think that it really comes down to uh, looking at what is the role of a store or a brand home or some sort of digital, or some sort of physical footprint in the future. Um, I really love the way that Nike is looking at this. Uh, Nike is actually turning some of their own stores into basketball courts. Why? Because they know that mo- a ton of their commerce is moving online right? And they want you to love Nike. They want you to, every time you need a new pair of shoes, replace it with a pair of Nike shoes. They want to sell you a pair of shoes, of course. However, they don't care where where that happens really anymore. Um, And so they'd rather you come into the store, try on a pair of Nikes, play basketball in the store against a, uh, with, with a Nike employee. Love that so much that you walk out and buy a pair of Jordans on your phone. And, and so suddenly the store is not actually the place for commerce the store is the place for experience that actually boosts lifetime value and boosts brand love. Um, you see this in ter- with brands like Warby Parker about to IPO, right? Digital digital first glasses brand that decided to build a bunch of stores everywhere. Why would they build a bunch of stores? Because the the actual experience of trying it on actually gets people to, to, to feel closer to the brand. Um, and, this is most pronounced I think in China. So China is about probably 10, 15 years ahead of us in terms of digital commerce where everyone's buying everything on their phone. Uh, Alibaba, which is fueling a lot of this digital commerce actually started building physical shopping malls which is absolutely nuts, but why? Because they realized that yes, people will continue to buy everything on their phones, all commerce is digital, however, by interacting in person through education, through some sort of experience and actually experiencing these things in person actually drives up conversion rates for online purchases. And uh, so it, you know, a lot of people are like, the world's moving backwards. It's not, we're moving backwards, right? But that, that, those exper- that, the importance of experiences never actually w- went away.
0: Wow. That's really interesting and news that I hadn't heard. So this is a very cool to be learning. You know, I do have a question, you know, really strictly on AnyRoad. And I know, of course, throughout this, we've been talking about AnyRoad, but ratings and metrics really have changed throughout the years, but measuring engagement and ROI during events really does continue to be a struggle for marketers. So what are some ways that AnyRoad or the AnyRoad platform really uses and manages data to make things easy and drive insights?
1: Yeah, so that's that's everything we do. So I mean, we believe wholeheartedly that the experience economy is the way for innovative brands to capture the hearts of their customers. But we are also data people. So how do we actually not only show that but use data to optimize experiences, A/B tests experiences the same way we would A/B test a website, um, and actually figure out what's working and what's not. Um, and so to do that we power all these experiential programs, but we use that customer journey as data capture, which means we're pulling in about 60 to 70 data points per person per experience. It's all opt-in, right? All uh, all opt-in data. But what we want to see here is not just, you know, did Katie have a great experience? That's, that's important, but it's not that important. What we really want to see here is how Katie's brand perception changed, how her attitude changed, whether whether her brand affinity changed, and ultimately how her purchase behavior actually increased over time. Right. So if she comes and takes a painting class at a Michael's, does she does that make her come every Sunday to take a, the same painting class with the same teacher at Michaels? Because suddenly that just becomes a part of her schedule and really something that she loves and, and she loves to learn. Or is this kind of a one-off and then she's going back to you know a, another art store to buy her art supplies? So by using data here, we not only understand the power of these experiences, but we understand which experiences resonate for which types of consumers. And ultimately we can use this data to optimize, to drive up lifetime. value.
0: Are you able to give us some examples of this? What are the most interesting findings that some of your customers have really seen?
1: Uh, that's a great question. Uh, it's Budweiser is a a great example. Uh, and as they have 1.6 million brewery experiences per year. And a lot of people are like, Oh, well, if, if, if people are going to go to St. Louis to a Budweiser experience a beer tasting a beer pairing dinner uh they probably are a huge Budweiser fan in fact that's not true um and so of course there are these people who you know drink Budweiser every single day love Bud Light and they're going and paying homage to the brand they love and like that's you know that's actually very important but these these incredible experiential programs actually serve to bring new people into the brand ecosystem also right and so uh, and in fact, they even have people who don't drink. And if like wait, you don't drink beer or you don't drink at all, like what? Why? What are you doing at a you know Budweiser brewery? Well, it turns out they launched uh, a, a experience called Beerology, which is the science of beer making. And if you don't drink, you might not want to go to like a you know. A, a a tasting where you're learning about tasting notes of different different beers but you might love like the science of beer making that's fascinating right or something about the budweiser brand because it's a it's a great brand that goes you know way way back and has a lot of rich history to it or you might really enjoy the clydesdale horses right they run a place called grants farm that has like clydesdale horses that have been a symbol of the budweiser experience so budweiser we look at as a very mature brand when it comes to experiential because not only are they touching hundreds of millions of people with all their field marketing, all their experiential programs around the world. Uh, But they're also starting to segment experiences for different audiences, because the same way that we are all different consumers, we are all different experiential people too. Right.
0: That's very cool. And very fun for anyone who wants to go to some type of tasting or See the horses and whatnot. But, you know, I just want to end on one final question. And I really like to ask this question because it's interesting to hear what you're going to say. But, you know, the future of experience marketing is moving forward. That's what we've been talking about for the past 15 minutes. But what do you really think may happen in the next five years? Do you have any insight into that?
1: (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's no, so it's,
0: okay.
1: it's a great question. I, I, I think a lot about this, uh, you know, it's lie awake at night thinking about where experience marketing is going in the next five years. I think that we are moving further toward the, the China model where experiences happen in person and purchases happen on the phone. And um, and you and you see that you see the the sparks of this with a couple of brands. So Lululemon started, uh, which is now not an apparel brand anymore, now an experience brand. Uh, started to open these experiential centers where you can go and do Pilates and do yoga and and learn meditation. And uh, and I think some of them might not even have checkout kiosks, right? Like they are not there to uh, to sell things specifically, and that may be a byproduct, right? But it's one thing to sell one additional yoga mat, and it's another thing to bring somebody into your brand family for the rest of their lives. So every time they do yoga, they wear Lululemon, they think about Lululemon, they are an athleisure model, basically walking down the street. Um, and I think what, what happens there is experiential gets a ton, of, a ton more investment, right? Because the world continues to become experiential. Uh, things continue to become commoditized, right? I mean, there are a lot of people now, a lot of movements being like, why would you ever buy things if you can just rent things or share things? A lot of people don't have cars and so they're using car sharing. You know, why why buy a hammer? You're going to use a hammer twice a year, share a hammer with your neighbors. So I I do think that things become more commoditized. Uh, Spaces, physical spaces, uh, actually become all about the experience and really looking at that as an experiential driver rather than this kind of old like uh, sales per square foot type of metric and then thirdly experiences become way more segmented and way more personalized so if, if I know how often if, if, if you're coming to my my brewery experience and I know what kind of beer you like how often you drink beer what your flavor profile is where you live your demographics your geographics. And your top five favorite beers, I could probably use this to build using data to build a beer experience that you're going to love, no matter where you fall in that spectrum. And so we've gotten to the point of personalization of advertisements right when you go on, on, on Instagram and I go on Instagram, we have very, very different experiences because Instagram has a pretty good idea of who we are uh, and what, what we're into and maybe we'll, even what we'll click through and buy. But when we get to experience it, when we get to the world of experiences, we're not there yet. Uh, but in five years, I think we get to the point that experiences are as personalized and as pervasive as digital marketing and starts to take market share over it.
0: Wow. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Jonathan. This was such a fun conversation and so informative. And I learned so much, so I know our listeners will be too. And we hope to have you back on soon and hopefully in person coming up soon. I'm looking
1: forward to it. Definitely. I'll hop on a plane.
0: (laughs) I will too. All right. Well, thank you. And we'll see you soon.
1: Thanks, Katie. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to Millennium Live to listen and learn on life and leadership.